our third and final speaker today is going to tie everything together, I hope, and he was asking me whether or not we need questions and answers after this. I told him, let the Holy Spirit be the guide, but I think somewhere I'm going to have a question, and he will be gladly happy to answer it. Our next speaker is Father Anthony Wick. He is a Jesuit priest of the central and southern province. He is the sixth of nine children and was raised on a farm in Oregon due to his father following the advice of a trusty St. Louis Jesuit to leave the city and raise a family on a farm. Father Anthony began religious life in 1994, spending his first five years of formation in Rome, Italy, studying at the Casa Balthasar under the watchful patronage of Pope Benedict XVI, then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. After ongoing studies at the Gregorian Jesuit University there and following his ordination in 2010, Father Anthony was missioned to a college in Alabama and then three different high schools in Texas over the course of many years. In 2017, Father Anthony came to St. Louis and began working at Kenrick Glennon Seminary, teaching the Trinity and prayer courses to seminarians. Now he offers spiritual direction for 26 men there Father Anthony is also the retreat master at the White House Retreat Center on the bluffs of the Mississippi. Father Anthony's charism for retreat work and spiritual direction will benefit us as he reflects with us on the depths of the spiritual exercises, depths meant to bring about our own conversion. So let's please give a nice hand and welcome Father Anthony Wick. Thank you, Mr. Lagerman, for sharing your fine radio voice with us. Would you all please pray that I get that one day, a voice like that? Father Anthony. So that was really good. That's hard to follow, as are the first two talks, I'm sure. Dear brothers and sisters, I would like to reflect with you on the dynamic nature of the Eucharist. The title of this talk is drawn into the Eucharist, recreated in Christ. Keep that dynamism present in the back of your mind. The dynamic action of the Eucharist. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us, and I quote, the proper effect of the Eucharist is the transformation of man into God. Wow. The proper effect of the Eucharist is the transformation of man into God. Athanasius, battling Gnosticism in his time, speaks about how God became man, joined himself to human nature, so that man may become deified, like God. Many of the church fathers make a distinction between our being created in the image of God, which we never lose. Even if I'm living a terrible life and I'm a dusty coin that's lost, <laughs> I still have that image printed in me that the woman searches her house to find, Jesus says. But I've lost the likeness. I'm not like God. In heaven, John, the beloved disciple, tells us, we will become like God, for we shall see him as he is. So we never become God by nature, but we become God-like by participation, by grace. 
Eucharist transforms us into God. We become God-like again. Our likeness is restored and made whole. And even more like God than we could have been had Christ not become man. We know from the Old Testament, and it's still true, that God sustains everything in existence. So there's already a relationship between God and his creation. St. Thomas Aquinas again tells us that God is in all things by his essence, power, and presence as the cause existing in the effects which participate in his goodness. God is in all things by his essence, power, and presence as the cause existing in the effects which participate in his goodness. So God sustains all things, material reality, the elements, plants, animals, human beings. There's already a relationship we have with God because he is the first cause without which we would fall apart. Things would disintegrate. The law of entropy would take over. Without him, we would cease to exist. So God creates us and sustains us, and human beings in particular are like God because we have reason, we have free will, we have these abilities to create, to wonder, and yet there's something much more than this. God wants even more intimacy with you and me than that. It's not a mere matter of sustaining us in existence, of being the source of our life and strength every day. He wants us to be transformed into him. I want to give you an image now. This comes from the church fathers also. Nothing I say is very original, but that's good. The fire of a forge, okay? Think of a metal forge and think of a sword perhaps or a piece of metal that's put into the forge where that fire is so hot that eventually that sword becomes red hot and it's filled with the heat and light of that forge of the fire that when you pull it out, it's red hot and you touch it to anything like this little table here. And what happens to the table? It lights on fire. (laughs) It's so filled with fire that as I touch this red hot sword, we won't do a demonstration, but it itself will just light that, that table on fire. The fire is not its own by nature, is it, of the sword? It's not its own by nature. That's not the nature of a sword, to be on fire. But it has that ability to receive fire and to be lit up. So how does God accomplish his wish, his, our being transformed into him? Many ways, prayer especially, but in a supreme way, and this is going to be our focus today, in a supreme way, he gives us his very self as spiritual food, his very self to nourish us and to transform us. One more quote from Thomas Aquinas. I hope you like him. This is wonderful. It is so excellent. Here he is. Material food, first of all, turns itself into the person who eats it. Okay, we get that. 
I, you give me a piece of bread, that bread I chew, I dissolve into my, my stomach, my stomach begins to process it. I turn that bread into Father Anthony. And as a consequence, restores his losses and increases his vital energies. So that bread that I take on becomes one with me and it restores my losses and it gives me energy, as food does, huh? It gives me carbs. It comes from the, the word for, for heat. Increases my vital energy. Spiritual food, Aquinas continues, on the other hand, turns the person who eats it into itself. It's the opposite in spiritual food. Material food, natural food, physical food, I turn into me and it restores my energies. In spiritual food, spiritual food, on the other hand, turns the person who eats it into itself. And thus, the proper effect of the sacrament is the conversion of man into Christ so that he may no longer live for himself, but that Christ may live in him. So the Eucharist is given us to accomplish this transformation. We know our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wants to unite himself to us through the Sacred Heart of Jesus. He wants us to live from his same lifeblood, he wants us to develop, if you will, the same blood type he has, which, not surprisingly, as you learned, is AB, huh? the universal recipient. We know this from the Eucharistic miracles, as you heard about Lanciano, Buenos Aires, as well as the Shroud of Turin. These Eucharistic miracles are from a cardiac flesh, we know about the left ventricle, the white blood cells that show the stress of the heart as he goes through his agony. And Jesus draws us into his heart to bind himself to us. AB blood type. Science tells us that a person who has group AB blood is able to receive blood from a person with any other blood type. Group AB blood contains red blood cells that have both antigens A and V and thus does not have any reactive antibodies in its plasma to these antigens, which are found in some other blood types. 6% of people have AB blood. I wish I did, but I found out I have A positive. Do any of you have AB blood? AB? Yay. 6% of you. <laughs> Two of you. That's good. I wish I had AB blood but I tell you, I'm working on it, okay? I'm working on it. What I mean by that is I'm constantly being drawn into Jesus's heart to become more and more one with his very self, to let his ways of thinking and acting as the more and more I'm transformed into him, the more and more I'm also becoming a universal recipient to others, huh? a host in which I welcome others because I'm welcomed into Jesus beautiful metaphor there. More about the Sacred Heart. When Jesus, in his apparitions to many different saints over the centuries, shows his heart, that heart is on fire with the fire of love. 
There's a wonderful passage in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 28 and following, 28 and 29, really. It's, we read there, we who are receiving the unshakable kingdom should have gratitude, think Thanksgiving, Eucharist, with which we should offer worship pleasing to God in reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire, right there in Scripture. It's a real highlight of the New Testament. Our God is a consuming fire, and he draws us into that fire, huh? Like a refiner's fire that heats up the metal of silver, say, and as it heats up, do you know what happens to the impurities? They go off the side, huh? Impurities come out so that that silver is perfectly refined. A refiner's fire. God is a consuming fire, and he draws us into that fire. It's not a fire that destroys or disintegrates, but fulfills and purifies and strengthens. You and I are so blessed that 91 million miles away, there is a dwarf star on fire that's burning continually burning. And that dwarf star, 91 million miles away, provides heat and light, just enough for us to enjoy our day. Thank you, Jesus, for that dwarf star. That dwarf star points to that, the light and the heat that we need. Christ's heart is invincible. It can't be extinguished. It is a pure heart. A, that, that fire purifies, we said. And that is the purificator right there, huh? his heart. The purifier of our hearts. The heart of Jesus is the locus, or the center, of his love for his Father and for you and me, for all humanity. He proffers his heart. He takes his heart and offers it as a gift to draw us in. This is my body. He gives us his very heart as a gift. And so too, every Eucharist, every Mass we come to, the priest says, the body of Christ huh? offered us as gift. So as to do what? To draw us into that heart. Because remember, spiritual food draws us in. So if you will, the priest is, when he says the body of Christ, what he's really doing is putting a fish hook on your tongue and drawing you in to the heart of Christ. So let yourself be drawn in and begin to, as you go back to your pew and kneel, to explore the chambers of God's heart. That's what he wants you to do. He's drawing you in. Experience the squeeze of God's heart. <laughs> Squeezing his love into you. Allowing it to penetrate you. Allowing the fire of God's love to become one with you. Like the fire that fills the sword. The heat and light. 
Thus, we are filled with the divine love. And when I'm filled with the divine love, I'm able to love with divine love now. I can overcome hatred with love. I can overcome Ephesians 6.12. As I enter this battle, it's not with individual persons who are hurting our country or hurting me or enemies we may have. It's the principalities and powers behind them where the battle lies. We can overcome hatred with divine love. In effect, I'm being drawn into the heart of Christ, every Eucharist, so that my stony, natural heart, I have a natural heart. Father Anthony is nothing but nature. I don't have a divine spark within me. I am completely human being, nothing but. And the Lord takes my stony and natural heart and draws it into his own, to, in Jeremiah's image of the potter, to, to massage out those dry nodules in my heart, to pour his Holy Spirit, the dew of his Holy Spirit upon them so that my entire heart becomes soft, moldable, what we call disponable clay for the Father to work with, with his lovely hands, the Son and Holy Spirit in Irenaeus' image. The Father works with us as lovely clay in his hands, but I have to become soft clay, disponable clay. That's the beautiful word, disponible. We need to bring that word back into vogue. It's, a, it's fallen into disuse, but it's a word that describes perfectly the inner attitude of the Blessed Mother and what St. Joseph learned from her also. Disponibility, this ability, this pliability, this ability to be made into any vessel the Lord wants me to be made into. I'm this soft clay that God can make into any vessel he wishes for whatever time, for whatever person. I remain clay, he's the potter, but I can be filled with, the, with divine love and it becomes one with me and I begin to love with divine love. He wants to share the experience of his heart with us, so our heart becomes more and more one with his as we're drawn into his AB blood. He tells us, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. His heart is meek and lowly, vulnerable, given to us. And he offers it so that we might be drawn into it to experience love as he experiences it and to live from that love to be absorbed to to to, to absorb to, to allow ourselves to be absorbed in the divine love to be drawn in never losing our nature but being suffused with divineness huh? divinity in other words this is what we call divinization it's called theosis in the greek but i become like the sword filled with the fire that's not my own <laughs> does that make sense i'm still just a sword but this sword can be filled with fire, divine fire, which can light everything afire so that it'll be purified, strengthened, and made whole. The Catechism puts it this way. Only the heart of Christ, who knows the depths of the Father's love, could reveal to us the abyss of his mystery in so simple and beautiful a way. God is so amazing. This is so intimate. It's so incredible that God has that kind of love for us to want to draw, him in, draw us into his very self. 
And here we are sinners. Here we're the, we're the offenders in creation. <laughs> you know, and yet God's like, I want you, I want to redeem you. I see things in you you don't see in yourself. Huh? I'm calling you to wholeness. I don't care if you're in prison right now. I'm calling you to wholeness. I'm calling you into myself. Pope Benedict has many commentaries and reflections on this. I point you towards his great work, Sacramentum Caritatis, the Sacrament of Charity, Sacramentum Caritatis. He tells us there that the Church's great liturgical tradition teaches us that fruitful participation in the liturgy requires that one be personally conformed to the mystery being celebrated offering one's life to God in unity with the sacrifice of Christ for the salvation of the whole world. Of course, Vatican II speaks of this. We ourselves are transformed. We become one with the mystery we celebrate. This is the sacrificial self-giving of God in Christ. And we enter into that sacrificial self-giving so that we make a sacrifice of ourselves, holy and pleasing to God, our spiritual worship. That's paragraph 64, if you're interested. Hence, he says, the need to provide an education in Eucharistic faith. That's what we're doing here today. Capable of enabling the faithful to live personally what they celebrate. By its nature, the liturgy can be pedagogically effective in helping the faithful to enter more deeply into the mystery being celebrated. The mature fruit of mystagogy, this teaching in the faith and the entering into the mysteries of the faith, is an awareness that one's life is being progressively transformed by the holy mysteries being celebrated. The aim of all Christian education, moreover, is to train the believer in an adult faith that can make him a new creation, capable of bearing witness in his surroundings to the Christian hope that inspires him. allowing myself to be drawn into the heart of Christ through the Eucharist, recreates me in the likeness of God, filled with the fire of his love, and that fire allows me to bear witness to the Christian hope that inspires me. This is from 1 Peter 3.15. I would argue that the greatest need in the church today is a language for the faith. How do we speak about our faith and the profound difference it makes in our lives? People are dying of hunger and thirst for a real relationship with the person of Jesus. And you and I need to find a language for that. We need to find a language for that. How do we learn an evangelical language? How do we learn a language to speak about what difference the faith makes in us and how I often struggle with this issue in my life, but I allowed myself to be drawn into Christ, filled with his love. I now experience that I can do all things in him who strengthens me, St. Paul. <laughs> a language for the faith, the great need. Huh? That would be a whole other talk. The personal relationship which the individual believer establishes with Jesus, present in the Eucharist, constantly points beyond itself to the whole communion of the Church, 
and nourishes a full, fuller sense of membership in the body of Christ. So as I'm drawn into the Eucharist, I allow myself to be drawn in with adoration also, and adoration is necessary to prepare me for a more full reception of Eucharist. St. Augustine speaks about this also. I have to first worship before I receive. I need to first adore, otherwise I would receive unworthily. So it prolongs and strengthens and deepens my Eucharistic communion when I adore. And I experience some form of adoration. And I live within adoration. As I'm drawn into the Eucharist, as I'm filled with the fire of God's love, I become one with you. I become a full-fledged member of the church, a purified member of the church, a living cell in the body of Christ, meant to be drawn into his heart, to be reoxygenated, to be filled with nutrients, as the cells are in our heart, pushed through the lungs, and then to be sent out, which is the meaning of mass, to be sent, go forth with this new fire of love that's been loved into you. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, 57, Jesus says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. The Eucharistic discourse. He who eats me will live because of me. In me, through me. By receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, Pope Benedict tells us, we become sharers in the divine life in an ever more adult and conscious way. Here, too, we can apply St. Augustine's words in his confessions about the eternal logos as the food of our souls. Stressing the mysterious nature of this food, Augustine imagines the Lord saying to him, quote, I am the food of grown men. Grow, and you shall feed upon me. Nor shall you change me like the, blood, like the food of your flesh into yourself, but you shall be changed into me. Unquote. Pope Benedict continues, It is not the Eucharistic food that is changed into us, but rather we who are mysteriously transformed by it. Christ nourishes us by uniting us to himself. He draws us into himself. Here the Eucharistic celebration appears in all its power as the source and summit of the church's life. Mm. Being drawn into God. Let me offer a couple more quotes to reflect on to conclude our reflections here today. Jesus came not only to die for us, but to show us how to die to ourselves. He gives us that capacity. When I'm afraid of death, let's say, I'm afraid of my passing. Be drawn into Jesus and receive his view of death as a passageway, as a birth canal, <laughs> something to look forward to. Let him give you a vision you don't have on your own. Let yourself be drawn into the Eucharist for that. Many of us struggle with impatience. 
I just mm, I get upset with things. That's the fourth fruit of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the grace of patience. Patience, incidentally, comes from the word patior, the Latin word to suffer. It's a suffering under providence. God's got this in the long haul. Be drawn into the Eucharist. Let yourself be drawn in and pray for that grace to be able to receive in a Marian way this gift of patience that I don't naturally have. I'm not a naturally patient guy. And you can reflect on all the fruits of the Holy Spirit this way. Charity, to love with the divine love. That's what our relatives and friends need most. Divine love, not just good Father Anthony, human love. Father Anthony's a nice guy. Well, that's good if I'm a nice guy, but that's not enough. You need divine love. I need to be a conduit of divine love, not just human love, even good human love. You deserve divine love, and your children and your spouses deserve divine love. And so you need to be drawn into the Eucharist regularly and often so that you can love them with the love they need most. <laughs> joy. Maybe I struggle with joy. That's the second fruit of the Holy Spirit. But as I'm drawn in, I'll be given, permeated with the joy of Christ. Or as St. Ignatius says, my founder of the Jesuits, we ask for joy with Christ rejoicing. When I did my 30-day retreat when I was a novice years ago, when I came to the fourth week, which is the contemplation on the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus, I wasn't feeling joyful. I was like, what's wrong? <laughs> I still feel the same. The world's still messy. What's going on? And then I realized, oh no, St. Ignatius says, you're begging and asking for joy with Christ rejoicing. Christ, the head of the body, has, has made it through the birth canal. We're part of the body, aren't we? We're still going through the birth canal. We're still suffering. We're still in pain. And because the head is united to the body, don't ever think that the head is happy-go-lucky in heaven and it just stinks to be us down below. The head suffers with the body insofar as the body suffers. Jesus suffers with us. There's a suffering of Jesus, a suffering of love, because we suffer and we experience death and pain and loss and abandonment and wounds and all these things. So there's a joy with Christ rejoicing that this too will turn out well, huh? But in the meantime, we are to mourn. That's one of the Beatitudes. We're to mourn with Christ for the situation of the world, huh? Peace, peace that passes understanding is meant to be loved into us. Patience, we talked about that. Kindness is meant to be loved into us by God. Generosity. Maybe I'm not naturally a generous person. God will make me that if I allow myself to be drawn into the Eucharist. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe I don't have much self-control in certain areas of my life. And at night when I'm tired, I need to consume media. I don't know what else to do. Or this is how I veg, huh? How I shut off my mind. <laughs> I don't know how to stop that. Okay, let God give me a grace to exercise self-control, that I don't have much self-control when it comes to certain types of food, like Doritos, I have to admit. Um, I digress. Let God give me that grace of self-control. Hmm? That's a gift he wants to give to me, and then when he gives me that gift and I find myself able to exercise better self-control, I'm no longer driving angrily, 
or when people cut me off in traffic, I don't grip my teeth anymore. I like receive this grace of self-control and I can surrender them to the Lord. Two things are required in order to obtain eternal life, the grace of God and man's will. I have to let myself be drawn in. That's a choice. I have to make an act of the will to let myself be drawn in. It doesn't just happen. Although God made man without man's help, he does not sanctify him without his cooperation. Aquinas again. God made us without our help, but we will not be sanctified or saved or or made ready for heaven without our cooperation. Back to our image of the sun for a minute. St. Padre Pio. We'll make a pilgrimage to him if you're interested in going uh, this June. We'll spend a couple nights there in San Giovanni Rotondo. He says it would be easier for the world to survive without the sun, the dwarf star we were speaking of earlier, than to do without Holy Mass. <laughs> It'd be easier for us to survive without the sun than to do without Holy Mass. It is so critical for sustaining the world. Each time we enter and we celebrate Mass, we enter into the same one and only sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We are represented there, you know, to receive the fruits of that act that lasted through, that continues to last through all of history. We're made present there to receive the fruits of that cross, the body and blood of Christ given us as a gift. Chesterton says, we ought to let our religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. (laughs) And I'm hoping that these reflections are drawing you into love. Do you want to start letting go and letting yourself be loved to find your true self in the Lord? St. Maximilian Colby, if angels could be jealous of men, they would be so for one reason, holy communion. Think about that. Angels who have a holy envy (laughs) of your ability to be drawn directly into the heart of God himself. Even though you're but a creature, and they are but creatures, exalted creatures. each one exhausting his own species. We share a nature. They don't share a nature. (laughs) They are so powerful and so glorious, and yet we are the ones allowed to be drawn into the heart of Christ. Pope Benedict says, Can man, the finite and sinful one, cooperate with God, the infinite and holy one? Yes, he can precisely because God himself has become man, become body. And here in the liturgy, again and again, he comes through his body to us who live in the body. C.S. Lewis has a good reflection on materiality. There is no good trying to be more spiritual than God. God never meant man to be purely spiritual creature. That is why he uses material things like bread and wine to put the new life into us. We may think that this rather crude and think this rather crude and unspiritual. God does not. He invented eating. He likes matter. He invented it. So this is the initial insight of 
God wants to meet us on a natural level. One of the seminarians I work with was telling me about his conversion story uh, to Catholicism. And he said, I just realized that if, if we are bodies and souls, God's got to meet us in the body. It can't be a spiritual religion. It can't be just offering up myself and giving myself over to Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's got to be more than an act of the will. He's got to meet me bodily. And indeed he does. And not only meets me where I am, he draws me into himself, which takes C.S. Lewis's quote a whole other level. John Paul II. The sacraments infuse holiness into the terrain of man's humanity. That's a beautiful image, huh? That as we're drawn into the sacrament, any sacrament is an encounter with Christ, not only Holy Eucharist, right? We are infused with holiness. The sacraments infuse holiness into the terrain of man's humanity. They penetrate the soul and body. The femininity and masculinity of the personal subject with the power of holiness. I am all male, I will always be male, but permeated male with godliness. <laughs> if I allow myself to be drawn in, I'm not destroyed. I don't become an, we don't become part of some amorphous mass. <laughs> we become actually more and more unique. And the more we prepare for heaven and we see the uniqueness of God's creations, namely in his human beings, men and women, the saints are so diverse. But in their fullness, heaven's going to be an incredible place of diversity. Everyone live in the fullness of their uniqueness or in the image of Therese of Lisieux. We're all little wildflowers in this meadow, but all different wildflowers. We need the variety. That's very good. In hell, you've got a mass of people always thinking they're all... It's hard to distinguish probably even people in hell because they're all thinking about themselves. They're all thinking selfishly. Everyone's like each other. I'm, I'm out for my good. You're out for your good. I'm trying to get from you. I'm trying to steal from you. trying to steal from me. We're actually very, very similar. There probably aren't many distinctions made in hell. And so you and I get that. We get to start choosing that life now, though. To allow myself to be drawn into the Eucharist is to let those hellish um, selfishnesses, those, those, those thoughts and selfish thoughts be burnt away in me so that my true self, my loving self, can come out. If you will, we are created with depth. And I can either be a shallow Father Anthony and think about what's in this for me and what about this ministerial relationship and, and I'm trying to affirm myself and trying to get accolades or I'm trying to, this is a little bit about me. So that's the shallow Father Anthony, but there's also a deep Father Anthony. Huh? It's the lover. I'm drawn into the depths with Jesus. I swim in those depths, I live in those depths, and I invite you into the depths where we can find ourselves whole and entire. That's part of the invitation to, to speak a language for the faith, is to invite your children who are living in a shallow way, perhaps, into the depths. They have greater depths than they know. I live near the Mississippi River. There are a lot of fish in the Mississippi River. G.K. Chesterton says, only a live fish can go against the current. The dead go with it. And so there's an invitation for our children to, to come alive, huh? to enter into these sacraments, to be, enter into the, this, to be suffused with this divine fire, this divine fire of love. Infused, beautiful word of John Paul II. 
our time has come to an end. So I thank you for your devout attention. And let's pray for each other that we have the grace to really let ourselves be drawn in. Why don't we conclude with a prayer together? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us your very Son as our food, as our life. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit now to draw us, to desire deeply to be drawn into your Son in any sacrament that we can, especially the Eucharist. Thank you for this amazing gift to become one with you, to be restored in our likeness to your Son, to be refashioned according to the perfect image of who you are, who is your Son. May we experience that recreation, allow it to happen, to be made whole, complete, refashioned in his image, in your image, who is the Son. Thank you, Lord. This amazing gift. Thank you for who you are, Heavenly Father. May we know ourselves in your gaze and see ourselves reflected therein as your precious children. All you angels and all you saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We can call that good, but if you have a question, I'm willing to take it. As the bell tolls. Yes. Did I say something about each angel being a species to themselves? So this is Aquinas again. I gave you a lot of Aquinas today. But um, yeah, we, we share a nature, so each angel, angel exhausts his own species. That is amazing. And each angel, so one angel took out all the firstborn male children and animals in Egypt. One angel could destroy all of Earth easily. That's the power of one angel. So no wonder whenever there's an encounter with an angel, the first thing the angel has to tell every human being is, do not fear, <laughs> because it's so overwhelming to be in the presence of an angel. So why would God choose simple, measly, as some, you know, saints and church fathers say, maybe that's, maybe that's why so many of the angels fell, was they just couldn't imagine God bypassing them to go to these low-life, sinful creatures, you know? Messy human beings, man. You know, a little higher than the other creatures on earth, but like, why would you go to them to, to, to fill them with your love, you know? Um, so maybe there was a sin of envy there. We don't know exactly what exactly the, the fall of the angels was. We know there was a fall, but um, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Such a glorious, exalted creature. Angels are creatures too. And by the way, so a little side note, that's why you should never fear Satan or any demon because they're creatures, and God is infinitely greater than his creatures, right? So if God's infinitely greater than his creatures, no wonder Mary is often depicted praying with sweetness, gentleness, kindness on her face, and crushing Satan at the same time, because she's asking God's help. With God's help, God is infinitely greater than his creatures. So she just prays and squishes, and so should you. Yes. I didn't quite hear something about the bread of angels. Why do they call the Eucharist the bread of angels? 
Ah, why do they call the Eucharist the bread of angels? That's an excellent question, yeah. To make them envious, no. It's <laughs> a good question. Um, it makes us more spiritual, so more angel-like in that we are to imitate the angels. St. Ignatius has a lot to say that, imitate the angels by using our created gifts uh, in love, so to become more angelic like that, but never losing our body, not you know, leaving my body so to become more angelic, but actually allowing my body to be drawn up into the spiritual so that everything about my body is self-gift. So the opposite of being selfish with my body, this is my body, don't touch it, huh? I have a right to do what I want with my body. And boy, is that still a battle in our culture. Um, the opposite of that is the words of Jesus. This is my body given up for you. That's the exact opposite. So we're called to be, this body is given up. That's, that's the angelic, the bread of angels. I become more and more spiritual <clears throat> because I become more self-giving. That's an excellent question. Yeah, thank you for that. But not a bread of angels, like the angels can eat of this bread. Yeah. So we are exalted creatures, huh? Psalm 8 speaks about that. Um, how exalted the angels and that you've raised us above uh, by becoming one, joining yourself with humanity. God never left his divinity, though. Don't ever think that the Son became man and now there's only two people <laughs> in heaven, two persons, excuse me, um, the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Son always remains the divine, and he joins humanity to himself. It's more of an uplifting of humanity to himself while remaining God. So in Christmas, don't think Jesus left heaven to become a little child in a, in a uh, or the Son left heaven, I should say. Jesus is the incarnational presence of the Son. Uh, but he joined humanity to himself so as to lift us up so that we could be deified, as we said earlier. Okay, good questions. All right, God bless you. Enter in. Think about that. Next time you receive the Eucharist, explore the chambers of his heart. Let yourself be drawn in. Let him squeeze the bejeebers out of you and, and squeeze all that goodness into you, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, okay? That's an invitation to enter into that dynamic. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, I think all of us here know someone, someone close, that needs to hear the words that we all heard today, an extreme blessing as it was. We do have the opportunity to get a copy of this talk, of this presentation for all three talks. And when you go out there, you can talk to Lou or Ann or any one of the many helpers. And you can help St. Joseph Radio this way to complete our mission, which is to help save one soul at a time. And I thank you all for being here.